1: Jackcha! What a streamer!
2: What a screamer! Soona! And a punch kick! Arsenal batting in. It. And here's Limpa. Lines it up. Finds the net. Arsenal in front. Beware of Greeks putting in shifts as the lovely Helen of Troy once said. This is the Arsenal Vision podcast. I'm not Elliot Spit. Sorry, Elliot. I quite like that one, but uh, we're, g- we're going to have to redo that. Elliot's Spit. I like that. I thought
1: that was your joke. No, no, it's quite a classic.
2: <laughs> oh, that's quite good. I should have just gone, shouldn't I? All right, here we go. Right, today we're going to review the Olympiakos game with Clive and with Scott, who we'll introduce shortly. Helen Troy had a point. Not only that, she had a rocking ass and. Rocking hard tits, but just so you don't think I'm being inappropriate, so too did Brad Pitt in the film Troy. Scott, welcome to the podcast today. Yeah. Good. Twice intro. Good. Good. Clive, Clive, are you still there? Are you are you sticking with the podcast? Are you joining us? (laughs) Yes, I am. Hello. Good. 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 Right. So we have. I'm ready
3: for you know ancient history lesson with Paul. Oh yeah,
2: yeah, yeah. I'm your man. Helen Troy, Carthage, the whole works—I got it covered. So, heck of a game. I ran it through the Crapatron Four Thousand. It's very hard to assess a game like this, and I, I'm going to kick off with Clive here in a second here because he has some thoughts on us playing an away kind of team. My own first pass on this game was that it felt kind of odd the first time through. I watched it a second time, as I tend to do. I quite liked it the second time around, and I appreciated a little bit more of what was going on. But we had a rocky first, whatever, 15 minutes, but then you might do against Olympiacos. Very good team, apparently, in Greece. Maybe not. Maybe they wouldn't survive in the Premier League, but they've been rocking it in uh, the Greek uh, top league this season. Basically, nobody's got a result at their place at the darn apart from Bayern Munich generally British teams have struggled in Greece apparently and certainly at Olympiacos over history uh, we're one of the few teams to have got a victory over there so it, it's one of those interesting games to assess in terms of how good was it and I think on uh, on reflection we should be very pleased with that result not just the result but but the performance different lineup quite a quite a bunch of changes so Clive You had an interesting tweet about away setups. There were a lot of changes here. Some of them were enforced on the manager with Torreira and Ozil not being available. And that meant that Wilk was going to be our number 10, which is a little bit of a a new look here. We had Lacazette up front returned to the lineup. Aubameyang on the right and Martinelli on the left. As opposed to the last time they went out, it was Martinelli on the right and Aubameyang on the left. A couple of other big ones. Socrates a right back and Gendouzi returned to the midfield. So a couple of returns here to the fold. Um, what, what's your take on this away team or an away approach versus the cards that were handed to the manager?
1: Yeah, I, I just felt that with Urzal out, obviously he's, he's having a baby, not him himself, but his, his wife, but and Torreira forced to be an ill. I just thought, okay, what, what have we got here? Tobias didn't start. And I just thought we looked quite workman-like across, across the pitch. Everybody was like players that generally produce a 6 to 7 out of 10 all of the time. We have a number of Maverick players that can give us a 9 and maybe give us a 2. But I just thought, looking at Martinelli, you're going to get a level of performance. Lacazette has just refound really a little bit of confidence. Uh, Guendouzi was brought back in. He's quite a hard-working player. Um, obviously, Shaka's a hard-working player. The fact we went Socrates as a, you know, a right back, we've seen it. I think versus Leeds, I don't like it, but it seems to work in a strange way because we tend to, you know, defend with into a back three. So he's really playing right centre half primarily. So it's just how you build up and how you defend. And so I just felt we were quite, you know, with Willock as well. I just felt we were quite energetic, quite workmanlike, the sort of team that I like away from home and I just feel sometimes when we go away, we focus on what we're going to do on the ball when we lose it, we get picked off. It looks like our way record the last couple of years. It's not great, so this was a step forward in my in my regard, even though it wasn't pretty, but I felt we were competitive, and I think that's really important
2: very cool, So, Scott um you did a bit of an xG analysis on the games uh, on the game as always um. They were very, very busy in the first 15 minutes against us. Pretty intense. It reminded me a bit of, uh, they're not at Atletico's level, but when uh, Atletico-Atleti took on Liverpool, it seemed to me the most important thing they were trying to do was knock Liverpool out of their rhythm, to make them feel different to any way they'd felt in any previous game this Uh, Season at the Wandeloup or whatever their stadium's called. The crowd were going crazy. We saw that at Olympiacos. Lots of energy, uh, lots of pressing, pushing back, uh, make them aware that they were in a, a, a different spot, a different location, out of their comfort zone. I think this game was played at 10 p.m. in the evening. So here's an Arsenal team showing up and thinking, this all feels different Plus, we'd quite a different lineup, and I, I kind of think it was what uh, Atletico was trying to do to Liverpool and succeeded. Um, and it seemed like we really uh, took a while to find any kind of rhythm here. Um, what was your kind of feel for the game and the trajectory?
3: Yeah, I think that was pretty much their their style that they wanted to do. They wanted to go out there and really kind of blitz Arsenal. Um, and it really did almost work. You know, they had the, the, the Valbuena shot um, in that second minute that Leno made a great save on. They had a header that, after the fact, it looked like it was chalked off as offside that went just over the bar. So they had two really good chances in that first, you know, opening five minutes, and they were all over Arsenal. And, you know, it took, you know, a little bit for Arsenal to kind of calm down to get into the match. Um, but then after that, I thought that, that Arsenal did a, a really good job of. Not necessarily exerting dominance, but at least um, having some sort of control on the match and not letting uh, Olympiakos get into dangerous situations. Um, overall, I think I had the, the XG here just under 2, 1.86 to 0.31. Um, if you don't you know, take out the offside one, which I really like the way that they do that in, in Europe, is where the, the linesman puts up the flag after the fact. Kind of a thing, so you can you know play on. So it really doesn't screw things up if you do have to go to VAR, um, which is nice. So I like the way that they do that. Um, that's probably about a 25% chance. So you kind of think, all right, well maybe the uh, Olympiacos about a half a goal on XG to, to almost two for Arsenal. So Arsenal were deserved winners. But it was a little bit nervy in that opening minutes. But I thought after that, everything settled down and really looked more in control. Not necessarily dominant, but at least more in control.
2: Yeah, and Arteta talked about um, his discomfort with the way the game started um, and how they were hurting us from the wings with crosses from from the sides. And I guess that makes sense. On the one side, you've got Saka, who's not an out-and-out fullback, and you have Socrates... Um, uh, I mean, one of the interesting challenges
3: for our team was, yeah, it was, was, yeah, he, it was he Socrates to support Saka, but yeah, it was Socrates, and he was you know with uh, a bombing in front of him, so that was definitely an area early in the the game that got you know exploited.
2: Yeah, and I want to bring Clive in on this thought that how how much did Socrates not being able to talk in took into midfield like our normal right backs maybe leave us a little more exposed through the middle because we were still basically trying to allow Saka to get forward. And especially in the early stages, it seemed like they could kind of run at us through the middle and up the wings. Arteta mentioned the wings, but we seemed pretty vulnerable up the middle too with a little bit of a different central midfield lineup of Chaka plus Guendouzi who has his wandering ways. Actually, the eye test, I think Guendouzi was trying to do what he was supposed to be doing. I don't think... I would slam him on this one. Um, I think he was all right. I I just think maybe we we weren't as comfortable rotating uh, with the right full-back to give us cover, etc. We just didn't have that synchronicity we normally had.
1: Yeah, I felt that what Bam Yang did on a couple of occasions is that he recovered inside rather than recover outside. Mm. And by recovering inside, he left his uh, full-back 2-on-1. And what he had to do, just recover into his space, and hey, look, we can debate, well, I'm sure we'll talk about this later. We can debate if that's an effective use of a Bamia, yeah? recovering in the straight line on, on the touchline. When you got your superstar centre forward, your goal scorer has scored more goals than anybody in the country since he, since he joined, apart from Salah. You've got him running up and down on the touchline, chalk on boots. I'm not sure what's the best use of him, but we'll come back to that, no doubt. And he just recovered to the nearest man, and that sometimes was the man inside, when actually he needs to recover to a zone. And that, in fact, he didn't fill his zone. He just left his fullback. Run the ball on a couple of occasions. Easy cross, cross shot, save, corner, another corner, shot, parried out. It just sort of grew from there. So it's a minor detail, but... Um, i'm sure we'll talk about it later paul really about the setup the team the players individually etc so i'll save some of that for a bit later
2: yeah good stuff um scott we played with Obamiang um from the right here last time out it, when it was him and martinelli martinelli played from the right mart uh, didn't seem that seemed to be enjoying it in the same way he did Um, Or put another way, it seemed like he works harder from the left than he did in this game from the right. And I'm not slamming the guy. I mean, for a striker, he's been played, you could say, out of position and asked to do a whole lot of defensive work. But I just didn't feel like he had the same enthusiasm for the hard hard yards in this one. Um, And yet, when we switched him to the left in the second half and brought on Pepe or whoever... um, it seemed like he got in the groove, and he was certainly a major part of uh, our goal in the second half. Do you, do you have any thoughts on the Obama Yang versus Martinelli on the right versus the left? Sorry, that's for you, Scott.
3: So I guess it helps to unmute yourself um, yeah, yeah. to make you feel Um so one of the things, yeah, I definitely think that on the, the left he seems to be more comfortable. I think it, you know, kind of goes into the idea that he's more of a, a forward over a winger. So he can run the channels kind of thing, do those, you know, inside to the outside runs or sorry, other way around where he goes from the, the left half space into the middle. Um, do those kinds of runs to be able to take advantage of his ability instead of when he's kind of out there on the right because he's right footed um he just doesn't have that same ability to do those runs. Um, you know, I think I saw him he seemed that he was way more uh just wide when he was out on the right versus when he came in the left he's a little bit more tucked in. So I think that just, you know, plays into his strengths a little bit more. Um, I'm not sure, you know, on the, the defensive side if it, you know, if he seems to do more on either side. Um preferably you know through the middle is better but if we're going to have to pick a side i guess from the left he's able to play more as a forward from the left instead of a winger so i prefer that
2: yeah yeah so so does klaus um clive so one of the things you and i have our various frustrations with over time is we'll get off a podcast and we won't have talked about certain players um, let's yep. work from the back out for a change, because Leno had a storm, right? Yep, he did. And
1: let's just think you through. So, I mean, we've we've all been we've all been fans of the club for many years. Where well, I felt we've approached certain games with not our best players. Even going back to the League Cup final against Chelsea, where we played the youth team against them, I think it shows a level of arrogance. And we we're so loyal. We did things like FA Cup goalkeepers and. We do everything the right way, but I was so pleased that that, that Arteta picked Leno because I, was I just watch.
2: Uh, can I just add at this point, like yeah. on the emotional side? Um, I felt it was a bit wrong, right? And, and I don't, I don't think that's a correct opinion. But it's funny how I've been conditioned to think we have an agreement, we have an un- understanding that yeah. uh, come hell or high water, we've kind of committed to Martinez, and I felt. I felt it was like, I don't know, like cheating or or like uh, we'd broken mm-hmm. an agreement. Of course, I'm not in this the conversation.
1: Mate, shall I tell you what, mate? This this for me was the moment of the night. This is exactly what we need to do. We need to rewire that crap. You don't get any rewards for being nice. We need to we need to win. We need to recover. I just watched previous to our game. I just watched Manchester United draw um at was it Ghent or really? I think it was Ghent away or did Bruges or was it think it was Bruch. and and basically the first goal the goalkeeper comes out and he 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 lost all his distances it wasn't his fault the number one thing you lose when you don't play as a goalkeeper is your distances when to come out you do lots of shot stopping lots of saving in in training but you don't do that in match decision making distances and i felt if we didn't you know, by bringing Martinez in, who doesn't play enough for that size of game, we need to be fair and say, no, this is too important, too important to the club. Best goalkeeper comes in, sharp, all distances, defenders know him, let's pick him. And that tells me that we are a serious football club again, not some finishing school, not some place where you come to learn and go somewhere else. We're here to develop our name, re establish our name. And for me, the moment of the night was the manager saying, "Nope, he's playing. He's the best goalkeeper. I want to win. Why am I? Why am I taking? Why am I playing people that are lessen my chances to win the game? Doesn't make sense." So um, I thought it was brilliant, and I fully supported it.
2: Yeah, um, I, I think it's indicative of something, and I think you're right about what it means. I, I mean, I liked it. I liked that you're another bastard, Clive. And I like that Arteta's willing to be an utter bastard. You know, his cold black eyes and all that shit. Um, when you look at the betting for the Europa League, because I guess what I took out of that is he's going for it, right? Um, so they'd ri- they we weren't even fa- favorites to beat Olympiakos at one stage. So I was just curious. I'm looking at the betting right now. Not saying it tells us anything significant, but right now the
1: Europa we're building trust, aren't we, Paul? Yeah. We're building trust. Yeah, yeah. No one trusts us yet. This is Arsenal. Yeah. Why trust us? We always, we're we flaky. We yeah. blow it under pressure. Why, you know, we're all hopeful what we're seeing. But why trust us now? It's not big enough data set, right? It's not big enough. There's Some of us, like me, and like many of us people listening, we're quietly really excited. But we don't want to say too much just yet, because it's too soon, right? Yeah. So, so, but yeah why should anything change from the outside we're on the inside and we're just we're just dying to believe yeah. so on the outside we shouldn't see too much change in those numbers
2: yeah yeah fuck them Klaus, that's that's what i say the people on the outside fuck them but anyway we're up to nine to one given that we were like uh, less than favorite to beat olympiacos across two legs um things are on the up so united seven to one sevilla's eight to one uh, Inter Milan 6-1 to one. so we're right in the frame, people are beginning to take notice um, but it tells me like Arteta's leaning into this that's why he went with Leno I was surprised, I didn't think that was going to happen I don't know how I feel about it still, but I think I like it
3: Scott? I was just looking at the 538 rankings and they have Getafe as the, the number one team to win the Europa League right now, which is pretty crazy to me I think it's uh, pronounced
2: yeah, Hetafe. It could be. <laughs> oh, boy. Only, only, a, only, kind
1: of only cr- in your house, Paul.
2: <laughs> <laughs> so, Hetafe are like number three in La Liga. I had to check. No,
3: I mean, they're a good team. Yeah, yeah. but yeah. yeah they're they quite good.
2: Sevilla's on 40 points, and Hetafe is on 42. Um, I'm not getting outmaneuvered on Hetafe this time. But, uh, uh, I mean, no biggie, but it makes you think. He's leaning into Leno to start because he's really going for it, but realistically, probably nine to one, eight to one, probably is our odds of winning this. So those are the calculations a manager makes. So um, Scott, to give you a, ju- a more a juicy jumping-off point here, so Mustafi and Luis were roundly derided individually as a, and as pairings, and when you look at the uh, number of players that. I guess you could say Arteta's fixed so far, uh, which is about half her squad. He's ticking them off as he goes along. Um, It's quite impressive. I, I, I think in the last couple of performances from Mustafi, you could say you can see all the seeds of his own destruction. Like It's not like it's all gone away, but it's a thin line for every player, and he's staying on the right side of it for the most part. What is it about Mustafi, do you think, that Arteta is leaning to. I mean, he's very front-footed. He's good at the headers, but he's also good at the... He- with a high line, he's pretty good at pushing up if he doesn't make the dumb mistake.
3: Yeah, he's, he's, he always has a, a few of those. And, you know, I was actually talk, bringing about up today is that he really had probably a couple of bad decisions. Um, one of them, you know, the the foul that he committed right towards the, the end of the match where he, you know, dove in and gave Olympiacos a... free kick in a dangerous spot there was one you know pretty bad pass that he made so those are not going to go away um it's kind of like Xhaka in that same regard that you know you just gotta you know take those kinds of things as givens and try to work around them when you're you know setting up your team to play and i think overall i think you know arteta has done better in that um, i got a little bit of pushback when i you know said that you know maybe he's um you know kind of doing more to um, not isolate him. I think that was something that, um, you know, under Emery, uh, Arsenal sitting deeper was not really something that fit his skill set. I think that you need to have a little bit more of a a proactive kind of take um, on how you're going to do it. So, you know, defense through possession and then, you know, when the other team has the ball, you actually use it to be more proactive to go out and challenge him. I think that fits into... Mustafi's role, um, kind of the way that, you know, uh, Koscielny used to do it. You know, you had one guy that kind of sat a little bit deeper, kind of cleaned up things. And then you have one guy that goes out and challenges the balls. I think when you have Mustafi as the guy that goes out and challenges things, it it gives him a little bit more. um, Because I think some of the things that where he gets these mistakes defending is where he's kind of stuck in between the two minds. It's like, do I need to cover? Should I go out and get it? Um, and then he kind of does nothing and he gets stuck in no man's land. So I think that this has been a little bit better for him. Um, I still do worry that he has the ability to just blow things up and absolutely kill you. But if, you know, we are limiting those opportunities to where it's once every three to four matches instead of once or twice a game, I think that's something that you can live with because his passing ability is very good, especially when you pair him with Louise. Um, That probably gives Arsenal one of the, you know, a very good pairing of, you know, ball playing center backs. There's really um, not better players that I would really necessarily take over those two, just given their ability to pass the ball. um, I think that gives Arsenal a really good base to build things on. So I think if Arsenal are able to set up things with the tactics to be able to maximize their, uh, what they're able to give to them and kind of minimize their mistakes that both of them have in them, I think that it leads to a pretty good team. Um, overall, the last three matches, Arsenal have three clean sheets. Mostly that's deserved. Um, you know, Leno's had some good saves, but I think that Arsenal have really improved defensively um, you know, that's one of the things that has actually shown up in the numbers is that, you know, the defense has gotten better. Um, the attack is still a work in progress. But if we can improve defense, you are going to see better results. And I think that's what you've seen. The Arsenal aren't beaten in 2020.
2: Yeah. Um, Mustafi had more passes than anybody else. I think it was like 78. Now, maybe part of that was that uh, to his left, Luis and Chaka kind of spread the the responsibilities for passing up on that side as you would. But on the other hand, he had Gunduzi on his side. So Gonduzzi likes the ball and he likes to pass too. So maybe it says something interesting that Mustafi uh, was arguably something of a hub in this game. He's I haven't seen this many reformed players uh, as we see, see under Arteta. I haven't seen this many reformed characters since... Um, uh, Nikita Khrushchev took over after the death of Stalin in Russia. Um, it's quite impressive just how many of these characters uh, Arteta is displaying in a new light for us. And you could list them off, but we know all know what they are. It's, it's quite something. What,
1: what, he, what he's doing is challenging our analysis of players. Yeah. I think uh, as fans, I think it's really challenging our analysis. And, uh, what people don't realise is we, we all love the club. So when we when the club hurts or the team plays badly, that, that colours our analysis on, on many times. And I've said things on certain players on after a particular game. <laughs> I've also said things that were completely wrong or completely right. And it's all coloured by that individual moment, that individual game. But then you have to step back and say, actually... If I and I said this on the podcast, so I said I don't see any difference between Mustafi, Chambers and Holding. Now if I say that after Crystal Palace last year, people think you're absolutely crazy. Do you know what I mean? Holding's better, Chambers is better, blah blah blah. But in the cold light of day, I, I firmly believe that. I don't see any difference between all three of them. You could say all three of them are not quite good enough for the club. But what's happened is at the moment in time was the ones injured, the one's coming back from injury. Mustafi is the one, yeah. and fair play to him. Yeah. He's maximised his performance, He's and Scott touched on it. If you're isolated as a defender continually, you're going to make more mistakes. It's just the stress of football. We've taken away the isolation, not just for him, but for many players, and that's why they're improving. No one's left on an island. There's always a triangle. There's always somebody supporting them, and that's the genius of, of coaching. Yeah,
2: I think it's interesting, right, we go from what you said which is I think we could all agree that Mustafi is not necessarily the level we want at the club but we go from that to he's utterly shit probably because he was being utterly shit Uh, and you can say that about other players I mean Chaka was was goddamn terrible for a while but it uh, and I think we know this but you just you lose your mind right Um, you know it's not just about the player we all knew that Mustafi was at one stage uh somewhere between very good or passably good, depending on your opinion of the player. Same with Chaka, we all rated him highly at one stage, and then we're all looking at this guy trying to work out what the hell it is. And, so, uh,
1: to, to, yeah. so, Paul, that's a, that's a really good point on Chaka, right? So, let's just take ourselves back to last September, October, yeah. where he was named captain of the club. Mm. Half the fans in April, right? Um, Booying him off the pitch, for whatever reason, let's not go too deep into it, because people will say, well, he did this, he did this, he did this, that justifies my actions, I pay my money, well, I don't agree with that, but hey, he is what he is. Um, bring him off the pitch, he's now got a new role in the team, which none of us ever, not one of us thought about. How We, we did say that we need to reduce his space, but I couldn't see him playing almost like a left half, no, I couldn't see that. I didn't. I didn't see that. He's come back into the team, and everybody's just gone quiet because now they can see what the players saw when they select him as a the captain. They can see the leadership. They can see the control. He's absolutely undroppable.
2: Yeah. You
1: know, and he is undroppable, and that's the truth. So we don't always know, and so I just think what Arteta's done to many of us, he's made us look at ourselves think shit maybe you know what? I didn't read that player right. I didn't read that play right and I think it's great and it, it makes us you know add a little bit of humility um it doesn't make us unintelligent it just makes us human and just like the players funny enough and so maybe we need to get back to doing a little bit more what our jobs are (laughs) which is trying to be a bit more positive other the trauma of defeat (laughs) drags us into negativity you know but but that's our way to say that it's challenging our analysis of footballers and I think we can all do better at that
2: all of us it's Mm -hmm. humbling in a way because I mean I've I've probably known has been quite supportive of Mustafi Uh, I've generally always liked Luis Chaka etc but I kind of defend them on the basis that i remember when they weren't terrible um which looks pretty hollow when they are being terrible and just to me it it tells me about context about kind of the ups and downs of football it's who you're who you're playing next to um the system that's been set up how everybody's been coached not just you and when you look at the characters that have been reformed under arteta from mustafi luis chaka you know, help me here, Pepe to some degree, uh, Ainsley, Maitland, D- Niles, which is a really interesting one because he was maybe the first player Arteta fixed, and yet we don't really see it. it took um, It took Socrates not only to have cramps in both legs, but then to twist his knee for Maitland, Niles, to get on the pitch. But we won't get into that one right now. That might divert us, and we've kind of talked about that one before. Like, and on and on, he's turned these players... Into something that maybe they were before, or maybe they weren't. Um, coachings a very interesting thing. And Mr. Unai Emery for all his comments about how uh, the team ain't doing better than we when he they were under him this season, I don't think that's true anymore. And I think he's done himself a disservice by. Uh, and I und- we all understand why he says what he what he says, but when you look at individual player development this season from just a couple of months ago. Uh, Arteta's done a phenomenal job and hopefully that'll start to show up in more and more results. Uh, Any thoughts on that, Scott?
3: Um, Well, I do want to just make the the clarification. It's not like I'm saying Mustafi is the greatest player and that we should, we we no longer need to have a center back on our summer shopping list. I'm just, you know, I'm happy that he is now at least somewhat passable Centre back, and he, I no longer want to, you know, you know, pour bleach into my eyes when I see him on the team sheet. Yeah. Um, Look, me so as his I,
2: greatest I, defender, I don't think he's great. I think he's fairly good and fairly useful when he doesn't pull a Mustafi, um, and that he shouldn't be the reason our season goes to goes tits up. Basically, we don't exactly. have any players that on their own are enough. That a, co- a good coach shouldn't be able to find a way for us to be an effective team and regain our uh, where we should be in the league uh, given a proper run. The, there's no one individual that starts for us that is enough of a problem that derails us. Is guess basically my view. And uh, I guess I think when we all pick one player out and go for him, that's when my my hackles or hackles of thing. That that's when that characteristic i have comes up i mean uh, i i i find it difficult to go against i was thinking the other day if i was picking the team if i was the manager and i was picking the team and i was doing the pre-session i kind of tell them what we needed to do and then i say uh, listen guys now you know what i want you to do could you among yourselves pick the 11 that way i wouldn't be the bad guy but um i do have a little issue calling out guys uh, as players but I can call out play- players in terms of performance because I think they're all at some level passable. Um, so Scott, I cut you off there. Um, w- interested in your take on Chaka's role. Uh, so Arteta talked about Saka not really being a, a, a full back again. Um, and we should wax lyrical on Saka, especially in the second half as he got going. Um and, and what he does. I think his delivery is really, really good. There was one game we had a little while ago. I think it was a cup game. I, can't, I should remember the game. And his delivery was off, especially in the first half, and everybody kind of uh, threw their arms up about Saka and his delivery. And I'm like, but he's actually got a uniquely high-quality delivery, whether it's a, a high cross or a, a low cross or it's on the end of a dribble. And he's showing it again and again at the moment that he just has a level of quality. Um, I don't truly see him as a fullback, but on the spectrum of your uh, Trent Alexander-Arnold whipping in crosses or a creator um, as opposed to a player along the wing, and then just taking the context of how we allow that to happen with Chaka and... um, in the in this game, Martinelli originally on that side. That's normally good pairing, but it didn't super pay off in the uh, the first half. What was your take on the the Chaka and context context, and also where you see his trajectory as a player?
3: Um, so I think that you know Xhaka is an important player for Arsenal. Um, he's one of the, the you know the guys that actually is the the connective player. So it's one of those things that's hard to put. Um, you know, a great value on statistically, but he is the guy that will move the ball from deep positions into the attacking third. Um, so I think that that's a pretty valuable skill to be able to do. And, you know, it's something that, um, you know, as you move the ball closer to the opponent's goal, it becomes harder and harder to do. And you could see that that's something that he does at a fairly high rate. Um, it was something that we used to um, depend on Mesut Ozil a lot to be able to do for us. But um, when he was out of the team, we seemed to get kind of lost doing that. But I think actually moving Jack a little bit further back has allowed him more space and time to be able to play those kinds of balls, um, where he is not getting you know the instant pressure as soon as he you know gets the ball, um, where he can't you know pick his head up and you now go pick those passes because that's something when he is given space and time. He is probably one of the the best passers. Um, you know, at least you know, the, you know, the top few few percent in the world at finding those kinds of passes. So I think that um, being able to do that for him is good. He led the team in final third entries with ten. He had seven progressive passes. So a progressive pass is moving the ball twenty uh, percent closer to goal. Um, I think that's a a very valuable thing. He um, had three passes into the box, which is, um, you know, second, you know, only behind Saka in being able to do that. So I thought this was a a very good game for him um, overall. And I think that, you know, Arteta is finding ways to be able to get him on the ball with good opportunities to actually move the ball up the field, um, you know, by moving that back, to a little bit more of the pure low um, kind of a, a style.
2: Yeah, yeah, good stuff. So Willock was a very interesting topic. Um, uh, Elliot happened to voice the view that he was terrible, and then he dialed it back a little bit. He doesn't think he's Arsenal calibre. His calmer take was the best moments he has are good, but his level in between those moments isn't high enough. So when I was watching Willock, especially first time round, I was struck early on that his touch... He doesn't have the soft feet. He didn't control. He didn't have the touch. He spilled the ball. And in at a time when the Arsenal was struggling because they were pressing uh, and we were spilling, um, it didn't help us. But on the other hand, this seemed to be a game that he grew into and that his ability as an athlete to stride forward with the ball, his decision-making uh, on the counter isn't always great, but it's hit and miss. On the other hand, it seemed like a big part of why we pushed forward and why we got into the game and after about 15 minutes or so i thought we were clearly the better team and clearly the most uh the team voted most likely to do something in this game um any uh any thoughts especially in the context of an away team where maybe we were expecting not to have as much possession against uh, olympiacos as we might have liked early on any thoughts on the the choice, uh, Clive, of Willock over Ozil, and was that an opportunity presented to the manager to go a different way, given that Ozil wasn't available?
1: So, so Willock—he reminds me of a classic academy player. So, I've watched—I've watched a lot of academy football matches, and sometimes you have a player that's just quite good. You can see it when it comes to the crunch. They make a decision which is for them. It's not always the right decision, so they, they, they dribble. Think, okay, they dribble, and they go. I call it the dark side. You go into an area onto your wrong foot, where you're not maximising where you're going, but you just, you're just feeling yourself a bit. You go to the, you go rather than to the light, you go to the dark. I think no, get back on your strong foot, pop it and go. He just needs to simplify and relax, and focus on the basics. So. Immediately when Willett plays, we compare him to Hazard. So there's not many players in the history of football that receive the ball on a half turn better than Hazard. So everybody else in comparisons gonna look crap, gonna look ugly, gonna look unbalanced, gonna look like they're falling over, because he has made his career of receiving the ball smoothly on a half turn and taking it in one movement and moving on. So Willett looks ugly. He needs to work on that. He needs to be more consistent. He needs to work a lot harder on his preparation to receive the ball body shape really key knowing his picture as the ball's coming pop it go when he goes he's now playing his game he's playing the game that he wants to play you want to go with me well come and run with me then because i think i can outrun you and that's what he needs to learn he needs to work a lot harder at the the initial phases of his game so that the good things we all know he can do which is traveling connecting one twos driving They will become more apparent. What we saw in this game was inconsistent receiving of the ball, and inconsistent final movement of the ball, final decision of the ball. And so we got this mixed match of a game. What we didn't get, we didn't get an invisible player. We got a hard-working player that was was we could see him. We wanted more from him, but he wasn't letting us down on cutting off passing lanes. He wasn't letting us down on pressing. I felt he played like a second striker at times, so I was thinking, well, we've got a second striker on the touchline, why don't we play him there? Do you see what I mean? So, yeah. so I, was, I was conflicted, Paul, with this one. Do, yeah. you, do you understand me? He,
2: he likes a bit of space in midfield. We saw him when he played against uh, Newcastle in what was it, the first game of the season where he played as a 10 and they just clogged the middle, and he didn't look good. And he struggled because he doesn't have the soft feet in tight spots. In this game, when he got the ball okay, there were, there were moments he didn't control it and moments of tight space, but there were also moments when he turned a player, his athleticism, and when he goes past a player, they stay gone past, if that's an actual English expression. Yep. Um, he yep. does power up the, the middle. He does, like, if you're a defender, you're like, oh, shit. Now, his, his final decision needs to be worked on. He needs to be calmer on that. Uh, sometimes he plays it out to his left when there was a man open on the right kind of thing uh, sometimes he doesn't release at the right moment and he'll grow into that maybe a bit cooler maybe he'll, narr- maybe that's something you should always have but he doesn't quite have it still in a game like this where it's going to be back and forward I felt he drove us up the middle of the pitch quite strongly and you know contrast to Elliot's view that he, he, he probably shouldn't be pulling on the pitch for us uh, I, I, don't,
1: I don't don't throw Elliot on the bus yeah, no, <laughs> completely. I,
2: well, this is the time to do it, Clive, because he's not here to defend himself. But uh, I'm not saying I'm right. It, I think this is an interesting thing to play out. Can he? I see what Elliot's saying. Uh, uh, I can see the flaws in his game, but also I was pretty excited about this player in preseason, and I think he's been a bit disappointing this season. Uh, fairly disappointing, I would say. Um, but he still has some significant attributes. Um, but that was kind of uh, no great scientific view on it. I thought he drove us forward, and after about 15 minutes, we looked like the best team. And it wasn't because Martinelli was having a game, a hell of a game on the on the. Uh, what was he? He was on the left, or Aubameyang on the right, and and uh, Aubameyang wasn't, or sorry, Lacazette wasn't having the world's greatest game in the first half. I'm not saying none of them did anything. But a big piece of that was, I would say, Willock pushing us forward and Sack on the left, because it certainly wasn't Socrates on the right. Um, God bless him. So, Scott, how would you parse this?
3: Um, Well, I was actually pretty surprised that, you know, that was one of the things you um, you mentioned earlier is that when he plays the 10, he can sometimes get lost. So in this one, he actually had 49 touches, so... Um, that puts him right out in the middle of, you know, the other, um, you know, our other forwards that we had on the pitch. So um, I thought that was at least positive that he was able to see more of the ball. Um, I think his decision-making when he got the ball could have been used improvement. Um, I think he, you know, looking at my, my value added stuff, he um, he you know, kind of, You know, canceled out his good things with some of the bad decisions he made. So it was kind of a a mixed performance. It was nice to see him be able to get more involved um, instead of kind of disappear or mark himself out. Um, His ability to move and carry and drive with the ball um, was definitely a positive. But I think, yeah, you're right. I think he needs to make some better decisions when he's actually going to pass the ball. Maybe it is simplify the game. Um, You know, trust your teammates kind of thing. Don't, you know, force yourself to do everything all by yourself. Um, so I I could see some talent in there but I'm not sure this was his his best game overall Um, and yeah I do have questions if he's going to be able to to stay at this level that's required
2: yeah Um, right, Willock off the list Um, I don't know if you have any strong feelings on beyond that on our midfield pairings, Clive but if not, let's move on to Lacazette and obviously you've said a lot on Lacazette but it was an interesting game at this one, in that he still doesn't really seem to have found form. He had some good opportunities there. Um, but it, it does seem to be crying out to play Aubameyang through the centre. And we've we've committed to Aubameyang on the wing, even to the point of replacing Lacazette with Enketia instead of Aubameyang last weekend, which I was all for. I kind of buy into us having a system but less so if we switch Abamyang to the right, because that's quite a different look from Abamyang. I- if we were leaning into Abamyang always from the left, then my take on last week, the last game makes a bit more sense to me, which was, hey, we're keeping a particular structure, so we're going to play Katia through the middle. Lac- Lacazette's still struggling. Uh, that's two goals in two games, so it's a strange kind of struggle. And uh, I don't think he got enough credit on the goal in that uh people people said and i think i felt the first time around hey you just needed to run in and run in and tap it in but i've also credited Enketia for making those runs into the six yard book bu- box and noting that lacazette has maybe shied away from that in recent times dropping a little deeper and being a little bit too supportive of other players or players instead of going for the juggler but if you look at him on the goal he shuffles to the other side of the centre back and make sure he's the guy gets deepest into the box off ironically a great uh, bit of play from Aubameyang off the left wing keeping it uh, in play feeding it to Saka who again has just this brilliant vision and quality and calmness uh, in the box as he displayed in the previous game so you, you your take really on Lacazette, through the w- without getting into the, the bigger philosophical debate, the the uh, obama yang um, positioning and how you thought Lacazette did in this game.
1: Yeah, it's it's difficult to talk about one without talk about the other, yeah. and so we we have a we have a decision to make, right? So, it's not costing us yet, but it will do soon. Right, so And then we're going to talk about it in, from a different basis, probably on the back of a defeat. And I can't help but look at Ababi Yang and, and wonder if we're doing right by him. So in the first half, he was on the right-hand side working his backside off. He's got his mate inside at centre-forward. He's got an 80-year-old taking his second preferred position. And him as captain has sacrificed himself on the right-hand side. Now you look at that two ways. We had a guy that came from Dortmund that we all thought potentially had a dodgy attitude. Well, his attitude is exemplary, ex- fantastic, shall we say. But I can't say exemplary. <laughs>
2: <laughs> <laughs>
1: <laughs> <laughs> exactly. And I was talking to my mate at work, Jack, today about this. And I think, and he said, it's great, we've got a player that wants to do this. It's a, sh- it's a showing that I'm the captain. I'm prepared to sacrifice myself. I'm prepared to run up and down the touchline and protect my right back who's really a centre back if I'm prepared to do this you lot better do your shift that's one argument the other argument is I'm 30 years of age I've got 18 months on my contract I've scored more goals than anybody else I'm a top goal scorer I want to sign another contract play me where I want to play now he's not saying that but there are many people that are saying that And and again I'm conflicted because I just feel we're not quite using our resources correctly. But that's not Arteta's fault. That's not Yang's fault. That's the club's recruitment strategy, where we bought 2 of centre-fours for 100 million quid in six months of each other. And so we now have a situation where we don't quite have that optimal balance, and we're not optimising our best players. Now, it's working, because we've got a great collective spirit at the moment. But I feel it has a limit to the time span by which it's going to, to work. Now, Laka in this game was was quite sharp. He was quite progressive. We could all see the confidence has returned. It was a bit better. I should have scored a couple of goals. Scored one. Great goal. Great movement, as you alluded to, Paul. But I can't help but walk away. On Sunday, I felt, can we get Pepe and Aubameyang closer together? And I, I looked at and I looked at, and I looked at him, and I'm thinking, we're wasting your legs we're wasting your meters. You could be even better, you know. And we're running him into the ground. He was limping towards the end, and I'm thinking, is this smart? I'm just not sure it is. While well, recognising, I really enjoyed the game. I really enjoyed the win, and it's a collective performance, not not about individuals. But special players are special players, and we need to nurture them. We need to protect them, and I'm just not sure we're quite getting this right.
2: Yeah. Scott, um, to me, we looked a lot better, and we got the goal after uh, Pepe came on. Of course, Ceballos had come on at that point too. But uh, Pepe came on, he played on the right. Uh, Aubameyang switched to the left. We still had Lacazette through the middle. Um, Aubameyang and Saka, we've talked about Martinelli and Saka having a good relationship. I didn't think they quite clicked in the same way in this game, but Saka and Aubameyang were key on the goal. Uh, Pepe from the left, I thought, really gave us an energy. Um, so kind of now maybe there was a reason we rested Pepe in this game because he, he's played quite a bit. He's begun to play quite a bit under uh, Arteta. Um, maybe Arteta felt Martinelli was due a game because he he he'd left him out in the last game. Um, what's your take on the front three? in general, how, how you like us to line up. What's our best front three? I, I assume maybe you lean into Aubameyang and Pepe on the wings, um, and why it took us so long to really kind of push it home in this game.
3: Yeah, so I think if you're gonna put uh, you know Aubameyang on a wing, I think he's gotta be on the left-hand side. Um, so that probably cuts out Martinelli for most games, unless if is gonna be through the middle. Um, I think Pepe is starting to get more comfortable within the team, so I really like him out on the right hand side. I like having the, the inside forwards that you know Arsenal are able to kind of do, where they're both able to to cut in. So the inverted wingers um, gives us a little bit more of the you know the, the goal threat. So we're not you know so dependent on our center forward to do that and especially if you're going to play a number 10 that's going to be like a, a Mesut Ozil who isn't going to be a second striker who isn't going to get you a ton of shots I think you need your shots to come from out wide to be able to get the the overall volume that you need so if we're going to talk about which ways to line up I think that's kind of my my preferred way to do things um I thought Lacazette had a, a pretty decent game um you know if we talk about what the the job of a striker is is to get shots and then, you know, try to get shots in dangerous spots. Um, he had five shots in this match and he had the, the three biggest chances. Um, you know, he converted one, um, probably should have converted a, a second one. Um, but overall, I thought that was a, a pretty good thing. Um, his hold of play in this match wasn't as good as it's been in other times, but I thought that he did pretty well um, overall doing that. So if what we're looking for from a, a striker is to be able to, to get the shots. He did what he was supposed to do. Um, so if he's able to do this in further games, I guess it's you know makes it harder to justify dropping him, especially if you're able to get at least a pretty good amount out of a bombing. You know, especially if he's going to be from the left hand side, I think you can make that calculus work.
2: Yeah, Clive, any take on the front three and how we play yeah. in this game and going forward?
1: I, ju- I just think um, I-, I thought Martinelli was very very sharp in this game. He looked razor sharp. Didn't have the break. But I do love his first and secondary movement. His ability to just stop. So he's quite sharp, right? But, you know, when I see real pace, Thierry Henry had this. He was really quick, but he could stop in like in like half a, half a yard. He could stop dead. And i tell he's got this. The ability to run fast, but change direction and stop. I mean, that is... Incredible acceleration, change of pace is better than just pace. So, this guy has got something, he's got something. So, didn't quite show in this game, but he's got something. His development will be interesting. Um, and Bamian just looks sweeter on left hand side, Martelli looks sweet on left hand side, um, Saka looks sweet on left hand side, um, uh, Lacazette looks sweet down the middle, can't play left or right, um, Pepe owns a right hand side and he, he pulls people with him. And so we have a situation that's developing, and we all know it. It's, it's going to be resolved by contractual issues. It's going to be resolved by our recruitment strategy. But right now, we have a group of players that are on the up, and so I'd much rather them. I'd much rather that than a group of players that okay, they're not balanced, but they're playing bad, you know, and they're not doing well. So we we may have refound a bit of Lacazette, and obviously, young kids are on their way. And if we can just look after Bamriang's hamstrings and Pepe's growing, we're gonna to get to where we wanna to get to hopefully by this season. And then in the summer we need to optimize. That's the key. We need to optimise and we and that's gonna be the, the challenge for the for the transfer window.
2: Yeah. Look, I'm gonna do a little voice of discord here and maybe it's not my brand, but I actually didn't think the front three were doing great until we made the changes. I thought Aubameyang, as we kind of intimated, was much more suited to the left-hand side. I I didn't think he was really enjoying it on the right, and I don't think he really gave Socrates the full coverage that he generally gives Saka on the left. And maybe that was part of the design. Maybe part of the reason uh, we played him up the right was because, hey, we've got a center back at right back, so we're kind of covered defensively. But I I didn't love it, and I don't think he loved it. I thought Martinelli struggled... uh, a little bit in this game um i mean you can see all the reasons he's good but um maybe if uh lacazette had put that that chance away that uh, martinelli set up for him in the first half maybe uh, my narrative would would flip but i still this wasn't probably martinelli's favorite game and i thought lacazette still looked well, although he was busy um he just you know when he flopped in the box for Looking for the penalty, it just seemed to be of a piece that it's a guy who's still, stru- despite the fact that he's just got a goal, and hopefully this goal is put puts him over the the edge, kind of hits the tilt here to where he's feeling good about himself. I, I, himself. I thought Lacazette continued to struggle, um, and it was maybe the area of the game uh, on the pitch because I pretty much liked how we played from about 15 minutes onwards. I really think we took it to them, um, and we were busy up front. But it just the guys weren't, weren't really hitting it and weren't in position, particularly Aubameyang. I thought, obviously, when Pepe came on and Aubameyang uh, moved to the left, um, that and maybe it's a small sample size with Lacazette, but he, he seemed a lot happier uh, and a lot more positive and of course he got the goals. so there's a bit of narrative in there but anyway we, w- we won't split hairs over it um, small sample size even if it's the full game but uh, we've seen um arteta slow redolent i don't know if that's the right word but i want to use it anyway redolent to move to subs early in the game but he was quite proactive with the subs in this game um any thoughts as to why he went that way clive
1: um, i think i was a bit surprised i was i was screaming for willock to come out because i just felt we were butchering chances on the break you know and i just felt we needed a little bit more touches on the ball so i was thinking let's get some bias on for willock and then go from there but I think he brought bias on for Martinelli, which I didn't really see, and um, and then brought Pepe on for Willock, I think that's where he went, and so and then we
2: we kind of got we... the Martinelli thing, uh, Clive. Mm. just and I could be totally wrong, right? Because I haven't seen the whole game again, but I did feel Martinelli was not not fully firing, and that was my guess for why he did it. It, it was kind yeah, right. of an odd one. He brought Willock over to the Martinelli side, right? And Martinelli yeah. and Willock was then covering for Saka. But he didn't stick with that one too long then. He brings on no. Pepe for Willock. But it was, it was kind of hard to pick through the reasoning there.
1: Yeah, exactly. So you, you take a, a centre mid who can play really, he's an 8 or a, a 10, just about. Mm. And sticking him onto a wide left striker position. And then you keep your best wide left striker on the right hand side covering the centre back. And you sort of waste a few minutes there, you know, and um and th- comes on and I really like Sabias in this game. I really thought he got to the pace of the game really quickly. I thought his style position was fantastic. He went deep when he had to, he got high when he needed to, he showed he showed for people, he created triangles over the pitch. I thought, yeah, you're 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 liking this. I thought, you look you look really good. And I thought he really showed maybe some of the shortcomings of Willock in that position, which he should do, his experience, and where he's played and how many games he's played. But I thought he did that. And then Willock comes off, and then you flip a band to the left, and you flip Pepe to the right, and suddenly it all looks good. Yeah, and and it it was it was instant to the eye. You know, your eye never lies, right? It's instant. Oh, this looks good. So Bamian body language something looks, looks better. You know, he knows he's supported by somebody. Suddenly, Saka starts to stride and starts to carry and drive because he knows he's going to get it. Right, so everything seems to just flip into into place, right? So um, I'm not gonna, I'm not sure on Arteta's substitute strategy yet. But why should he be perfect? I, I, I'm not. When well, I make subs at the weekend, and uh, and I'm 106, he's only 36, right? So, um, so it's it's a matter of it's, it's going to come in time. And the more the pattern gets put in place, I think. People know their slots. And I just think it becomes something that he grows into. But, hey, look, I thought they both made an impact in their own way and it led us to dominate the last few minutes of the game.
2: Yeah, that was my feeling. He got the first sub wrong, but he fixed it with the second sub and suddenly all the players on the field made uh, made sense to me. Um, what are your thoughts, Scott? And then add in the, the third sub, the Maitland-Niles finally getting on the pitch. <sighs>
3: Yeah, I thought it was a little bit late, and I agree with Clive there that I thought that Willick was probably the guy that I would have probably made the, the choice for with the, the first sub. But I guess he wanted to give him a, a little bit more time to, to play. Um, but yeah, I think that just the overall things seemed to gel a little bit more. We had a little bit more of a, a connection between all the players uh, when Ceballos um, came on. Um, I thought that Pepe looks, you know, just more, much more comfortable starting from the right than Aubameyang does. So it just gives the team more balance and just, you can see the players feel like they're in their, their right position and it was a little bit more comfortable. So, um, did he need I thought- to
2: make the two subs at the same time though to get this effect? I mean, logically he did, but was there another way to go? I mean, he needed to get Aubameyang on the left and Pepe on the right and Ceballos through the middle really to get this this setup. And you couldn't do that with one move for obvious reasons. And, uh, you know, it was, it, it, to me, it's either Aubameyang or Martinelli on the left. And I still like Ceballos. This, uh, I thought maybe Willock was better than most people did in this game. But I like, uh, like Clive. I love what Ceballos brings and gives. So I was glad to see him on the pitch, too. But he probably needed two, two subs at 60 minutes to get this effect.
3: Yeah, I mean, you know, he definitely could have done that, yeah, instead of waiting the additional 15 to to bring on Pepe. Um, But, you know, in the end, it worked out. He got to where he needed to. Um, In general, I think that the coaches should be maybe a little bit more aggressive instead of uh, waiting so much time. Maybe not quite Emory aggressive where you bring on lots of subs at halftime, but um, in that 60 minute range, I think is good. You know, you have that. Uh, you know the, ba- uh, the the bonus of having the rested legs against more tired legs, and you can you know have more time to take advantage of that, where you don't have that extra 50 minutes on your your legs of running, um, and especially in attackers, I think that is something that is positive that you could probably exploit a little bit more as a manager. At least that's what you know the, the data and your know, research has has kind of suggested to us. Um, so that has actually been kind of the one complaint I've had about Arteta is that he's been a little bit. Uh, w- angerish in the waiting so, li- so waiting so long to get his subs out, but if you know if the if the improvements have well outweighed these you know kind of quibbles that I have.
2: Gotcha. So um, I mean, it was a good performance. I thought overall. Um, I think it was a tricky, dangerous. <laughs> I enjoyed it. Yeah, yeah, I did too. Uh, uh, and again, I know I say this a lot, but i enjoyed it a lot more the second time round. i actually think we actually played good believe it or not um and we take it forward we got the goal away from home which was key we sh- probably should have had two goals and i think people there's a bit of revisionism sometimes we we look at the newcastle game and we bash them 4-0 but they could have scored one or two before we did uh, they could have scored two in the second half. People say, "Oh well, Olympiakos could have scored a couple against us." You know, Newcastle could have scored goals in either half. You uh, you ride the dragon uh, in every game, and then you revise it afterwards. And it was like, "Oh, we we're always going to beat Newcastle 4-0. We we're always going to beat Olympiakos 1-0." Uh, with the, with the a little bit of time between you and the result, but that's the nature of football. Um, they had their moments they they could have had us especially early on and, and kind of rearranged this game on us but I think overall you can look back on that once we settled into it this was always going to be a tricky fixture and um, uh, generally I think there's a lot to be pleased with in the performance and it'll give us confidence and build and we haven't been beaten for a while and we've got a bunch of draws and now we've got a couple of wins um, which leans into the weekend in a very interesting juxtaposition, us and Everton basically around the same point in the table, both brought in new managers um, Arteta could always have been a candidate for the Everton job, but and we could have been a candidate to get in what's his face? What is his face? Carlo. Yeah, yeah, um, Carlo Ancelotti um, and depending on your preference for style of manager, did you want the experienced European suave, sophisticated did you want the, the new guy on the block um, with the new ideas, the, the pep understudy who's now going to uh, uh, break off and do his own thing on the road and try new stuff and take a risk? Well, we went with Arteta. They went with Carlo Ancelotti. They got our sloppy seconds by all accounts. And now we face them at the weekend, and many people think Everton have had the better start. But we're coming up for air now, so this and it's at home gives gives us that little advantage here. Um, how do you see this one shaking out, Clive? How do you think we'll approach the game, and and how do you feel on the? We went with Arteta, they went with Ancelotti.
1: Yeah, I think it is, um it's a tough one. It's almost it's a little bit like Mourinho as well, isn't it? With with Spurs, we sort of yeah. know that manager, uh, we know what he is, and in a strange way. There's many, many, many people wanted us to do the unknown. You know, I, I struggle with that, particularly the first time round. but not supposed to the second time around with Arteta, but i tell you what, I'm, I'm so convinced about him now, and I'd much rather be us with upside and unknown versus known, and we've seen it all before. You know, and, um, I find it, you know, we all, we all live our lives, we work, we do whatever we do. And we want our football to be exciting. We want to learn things. We want to be part of something with foresight, with forward thinking. And we can align ourselves to it, right? And um, I, I'm starting to feel that again. I'm starting to feel less nervous. I'm starting to enjoy the games and a little bit more. And that's what it's all about. You know, that's what it's all about. And And I think if we get more and more people enjoying it, it's going to be... Great. There was a little clip today that came. is on Ian Wright's Instagram, I think he was of the away fans. Yeah, that was great. And it just, it just made me think. You know what? And I'm somebody who's quite an occasional go to games, but I may be increasing those occasions because it just feels good. And if I feel that, then there'll be less red seats on the on the TV screen staring at us because it feels better. We we analyse it. You know, when we do this podcast and we share our thoughts, but you, you know, the feeling is 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 starting to come back. I'm telling you, and it, and um, so tomorrow, I'm sorry, Sunday is really key to that because if you were to lose to Ancelotti, maybe a few people would say, "Well, we should have gone that route." Mm. And that and there are people that are, that are not convinced, and that's just the nature of, of football. So I'm hoping we win because I am convinced about this manager, and I, and I really do think we got some really bright days ahead. So a very important day from that perspective that we're still validating what we feel and that, and that process is not over yet.
2: Yeah. Now, for me, Arteta has the it factor. Um, he has something a little special, but we'll time will tell on that one. But he's fixed so many... Pro- the speed at which he fixed players is what astounds me. It's not like... Lo- I thought Mustafi... Even from Arteta's comments, I thought it was like, oh yeah, this is going to be a, a process. He fixed him by the second half of Chelsea somehow by getting the team behind him, by using Mustafi's mistake and saying to those players, look guys, you all make mistakes but what this is all about is backing your fellow players and bailing them out and he used that to, to solidify the team and I don't know what, what voodoo magic he works with each player but he seems to have gotten the tune out of every no, single player the, almost immediately.
1: A, to that end, Paul, there was a moment when Mustafi played a crazy ball mm-hmm. from deep in his area into the edge of the area, I think to Guendouzi, and it was the wrong pass. But as it went wrong, the reaction to cover that mistake was like frenzied. Yeah. And I thought, that's great. It didn't cost him. It didn't embarrass him. It was a Mustafi moment, but this time everyone bailed him out. And I thought that was really, really good.
2: Yeah, better, better distances, better structure, better understanding, um, and just mm-hmm. better mindset individually and as a team is paying off. So, um, uh, oh, just before I switch to Scott and ask him on the the Ancelotti and the Everton lineup, um, uh, the video you were talking about, Clive, that's the one with he, Ian Wrights in the stands. He's kind of on his own, and somebody's got a taking a video from behind him on their cell phone and the Arsenal yeah. fans are singing the Ian Wright song and yeah. Ian Wright's shouting I love you at them and it's just like, it's magic it's like Sarah, uh, like basically a couple of thousand people singing to Ian Wright and him shouting I love you and like, the club's just we're, the, the mood of the club as you alluded to we're just it's on the way up and people are enjoying their football and enjoying being supporters again, and it's a beautiful thing. Scott, uh, Carlo Ancelotti, don't ruin it for us now. Carlo Carlo Ancelotti at the weekend, Everton. Um, how did you feel about the the connection, the the links to Carlo Ancelotti and Arsenal, and how do you feel about the the fact that we went the uh, Arteta way, and it feels like we had the choice.
3: Um, Well, so I've always was leaning towards Arteta as the guy that I wanted. I, you know, I felt that he's the guy with the upside, you, you know what you're going to get with Carlo and he's a very good coach and you can see that um, he's done very well with Everton. Um, I think even looking at, you know, the Napoli team since he's left, um, they have not gotten better. So he was definitely, I don't think the problem with that team. So I think that Carlo is a a very good coach. Um, I think he would have been good at Arsenal but I don't think that, you know, given what Arsenal are trying to do, um, you really have to go for that upside and you have to, you know, take a big swing at somebody who can, you know, not just be good, but can be very good. And so far, the early stuff on Arteta um, hasn't changed my mind on that. Um, I think that Everton are doing well. Um, they, you know, they have some of the, the highest points. I think really only Liverpool has um, more points since he took over. But then you also look at the schedule that they have played, and it's been a, a relatively easy schedule. They have Burnley, Newcastle twice. Um, they've played Brighton. They've played West Ham, Watford, and Crystal Palace. So that is a, a who's who of not great teams. So they have been uh, winning games, but they have not really necessarily been challenged. So their upcoming schedule is very tough. So they face Arsenal, then then Manchester United, Chelsea, Liverpool, they get a break at Norwich, then they have Leicester and Tottenham. So, this really will probably be the stretch that determines who is going to, you know, really have a chance at that top five spot. Now that Manchester City are banned, so I, I really do feel pretty confident that Arsenal can get a result this weekend. Uh, my model actually has us about fifty percent um, to win. Uh, looked at the five thirty-eight, and they have us at forty-two percent. So, um, I think there's a, a good chance that Arsenal come out with three points from this. Hopefully, that we can keep our Defensive record going, you know, get a fourth clean sheet in a row. You know, really just get the confidence going. I, I, I think that things are starting to look good for Arsenal, and I, I hope that you know we're able to continue that.
2: I thought you said your mom had us at fifty percent. I'm like, I don't give a crap what your mom thinks. Is that where you're getting your stats wrong? <laughs> Turns out you meant you were saying model. But uh, yeah, look, um, life comes at you fast. Everton's got quite a run in. I think we've got a reasonably okay schedule through February and March build some momentum so we'll we'll see where it's all at there but should be an interesting game hopefully a fairly open game um and you never know what your lineup's going to be with uh, Arteta and Arsenal at the moment so <coughs> on to the weekend well listen thanks guys uh, let's wrap up here uh, thanks for everybody uh, for listening uh, elliot will be back next time round i'm sure uh, thanks for bearing with us and uh, up the arsenal <coughs>